What do you do when confronted with a challenge in life, as we all are from time to time? Do you question your self-worth and doubt the value you add to this world? Or do you recognize your own imperfections and love yourself just as you are? Flawed, but strong. Willing to take a risk, put yourself out there, and be your authentic self. The choice belongs to you. This is Confident Closers with Anna Maria Sanin. Thank you for joining us on another episode here with Confident Closers. I am with my co-host and good friend, Kevin Jimeno. What's up? How you doing? I'm doing. <laughs> and today we have a really special guest, a guest that I am excited to introduce, Paulina Hurtado. How are you, girl? I am doing great. Thank awesome. you for having me. Absolutely. Excited to have Paulina you. Paulina in the house. <laughs> Do we know what your name means? Have you ever looked into your meaning of your name before? not. Never? No. I There's a not. famous singer, the Paulina, Paulina Rubio. Paulina Rubio. That's right. Yeah. Mexican, right? She's yes. like, you know, every time that I would introduce myself, I would be like, your name is Paulina. Is your last name Rubio? I'm like, no. <laughs> but I want her bank account. <laughs> Paulina, why don't you tell me and the rest of the listeners a little bit about yourself, what you're currently doing as far as career and goal-wise, and then we can kind of get into your story. So my name is Paulina Hurtado, and I've been a real estate broker for nine years. Nice. And I've been in the real estate industry for about 16 years now, since I was 21. Oh, a rookie. So <laughs> all my life. And uh, my my main goal is just to leave a legacy to my family and my friends to be able to show them that, you know, we can reach financial independence. And that's that's what I'm here for. Awesome. Very awesome. Nice. And you're definitely doing that. Um, you know, you have a great team that you run. So how did you get started? Why real estate? Like, let's go back a little bit. So I started in the banking industry when I was 16 years old, working for Bank of America. Was I collecting in the collections department? One of the toughest jobs that you could ever do, especially as a 16 year old. Um, when you call people and you tell them, hey, you know, you got to pay or we're going to repossess your car. And people like Click. tell you, no, that, that would be the easiest, the right? Easy, yeah. <laughs> and tell you, hey, I have cancer. I'm, I'm dying and wow. I don't care what you do. You know, and I, I remember that was one of my first phone calls. And I remember hanging up and just crying like, yeah, this is what I'm going to have to do. <laughs> um, after that, I went to Wells to work at Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. And I really, really like mortgages. Um, so I got my mortgage license and my dad. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then yeah, I got my mortgage nice license. Look. And my dad, who is the, my hero and my role model, he goes, you know what you would be good at? And I said, what? And he goes, real estate. And I said, what are you talking about? I got my mortgage license. I'm going to do mortgages and then I'm going to open a mortgage business. He's like, no, no, I just have a feeling that you would this would suit you better. So, you know, as persistent as he is. He would drive me crazy every day. where you day. get it from. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> Talk about persistence. <laughs> That's my dad. Um, and he would drive me crazy every day. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get the license to get you off my back. Mm-hmm. So I got my real estate license and he would call. So I started studying for it. He would call me every night to test me. Because on top of everything, he wanted me to do it in Spanish. Right? So I'm like, you want me to take my real estate He's like, no, no, you have to do it in Spanish because this is the way I can help you. Okay. So he would call is me. Is he in real estate as well or no? Now he takes care of my babies. But back then? <laughs> but yeah, he, he's, oh, he started okay. So he was 
mentoring you? Yeah, well, he was working for um, AT&T in the call center. Mm-hmm. And he would call me on his break and, co- and you know, and test me just to make sure I passed the test. So I went and got my test, started working with him. And within a couple of months, I realized that real estate was really what I was passionate about. And mortgages was not. Mm-hmm. So I did one mortgage loan my whole entire life <laughs> and never did it again. You did more than me. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I did one. And that was like, nope, this is not for me. So I really have to thank him for, for where I am today. So what did you like more on the real estate side than you did on mortgages? Like, what was it? I think it's the, the relationship that you have with the customer. Um, because you are truly having, the you know, it's one of the American dreams to be able to be a homeowner. And you're leaving that that with the customers and over the time you become their friends mm-hmm. and you go to you know the baby showers and the weddings and the baptisms and everything and you realize that it does true lasting relationships not that with mortgages you don't but I just like to be present from the beginning to the end mm-hmm. and being able to be there the whole the whole time with the customer and and know that that's the lasting impression that you're going to be on them I like the a, nurturing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah, like the more nurturing, right? Yeah. With the mortgage side, I feel like, you know, everybody is on top of you and everybody's going to blame you. So you have listing side, you have the selling side, you have the title company, you have, you know, the insurance, insurance. appraisers. You have everybody. everybody just so upset at you throughout the whole process that by the time you do get to make the dream come true, it's like you went through that. It's like I'm ready. I'm ready to close that chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Move on. (laughs) I mean, I admire mortgage professionals a lot. Uh, Something you said that stood out, and not everybody's like this. So I want to go deeper into what your thought process is. You said I go to my clients' baby showers. I go to my clients' weddings. There's a lot of people that are just having transactional experiences. They're closing the deal, right? But it ends there. They're not continuing deep, profound relationships with their network and with their clients. Sounds to me like you are going above and beyond just the transaction. And after the closing, you're sharing special moments with them. I think I think that that's, that's what this is all about. It's about the relationship with the client. Not so much about whether the commission or the transaction that you're doing. And I think that one of the things that most real estate agents get is the bad reputation that we are paper pushers and commission chasers. Because some people do get in the industry because they just feel like, you know, they got a commission and they see like, you know, the the closing statement. Most people get into real estate because they see the closing statement. They're like, my real estate agent did that. Oh, no, I'm going to go and get my real estate license. Let me get my license. Right. So and and it's there's so much more to to real estate than just that. And if you really focus on that relationship, everything else will follow. The relationship with that client, um, you know, I, I'm a real estate broker now. I don't do any new business, anything that I have a referral business. And most of the time I'm busy enough that I give it to my agents. Right. But, you know, those clients, I've had clients for you know, since I started in real estate and they, they they tell me, you know, I remember when you were 21 years old mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and to see that and to see like their kids, you know, when they did have kids and now they're like in college and I'm just starting out. And to have that relationship where you like laugh about the past experiences, it's, it's amazing. 
what would you say to the person out there, the sales professional or the entrepreneur that's starting their business and they're looking to close deals that they feel like, well, I don't want to like interfere or cross the line of professional to personal in creating those relationships? How do you navigate the, the waters? I think that you have to have a transparency to the relationship that you have. If you don't put yourself in that vulnerable stage where you put yourself transparent and your experiences and what has gone on in your life, you're never going to be able to be successful in this business. Um, If you don't have that ability to say, hey, you know what, I understand what you're going through because, you know, this was my experience or because this is what I had to go through, then most clients are not going to be able to relate to you. And they're going to feel like the only thing that you're after is the commission. So you have to have a transparency to you. So you approach it really to start that friendship. You you approach it just like you would approach a genuine relationship with anybody else. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree 100%. Yeah. Which I think that's key um, as an entrepreneur, right? Especially in the service industry, whether it's real estate or any, any service that we do, um, to approach your clients from not just as a transaction, but as a, as a relationship, as a potential relationship more than just, you know, the service that we're providing. Um, and that is the difference between very, you know, successful entrepreneurs like yourself versus, um, you know, people who are just focused on the dollar, right? And, and, and they look at that person as a transaction, especially, I mean, in the service industry. I don't, I don't see how that... Um, you know, can can go too far when the relationship is not there, right? You, you have to have not only the relationship, but I think even the transparency to know, like, you know, as, as the more years that you're in the real estate market, you kind of know what is a good investment, what is not, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to have that honesty to where, you know, when your client, because your client is always going to look at you and your client is going to be like, hey, you know, Anna Maria, what do you think? You know, or hey, Paulina, what do you think? You're the advisor. You know, they're always going to ask you. And if you really try to just push that because you're like, no, I really just want to get them into a home and I just want to get this done and over with, they're going to see right through you. If you honestly say to them, hey, you know what? I really don't feel like you feel like this is the property for you. Let's wait. They're going to love you much more than than because you're being honest to them and you're being transparent. Yeah. So I think that's very important too. Is that a trait you've always carried or is that something you develop? Did life teach you to focus on others versus yourself or? It's always going to go back to the way that I was raised. Uh-huh. Um, my dad, it, he's an amazing man. You know, he, um, you know, he, we were in Ecuador. He was an attorney and, you know, we, we always, you know, we were well, wealthy in Ecuador. And he always was there for everybody else. So, you know, he always would say, you know, we're one eat, two eat. We're two eat, three eat. And, you know, you never, you know, tell somebody that you don't have food for them or you never. So he was always like that. Um, then Ecuador went through a recession and he lost it all. And came here when he was 50 years old to start from scratch, not knowing English, and to go make $5 an hour, because back then that's what the minimum wage was. And, you know, he never complained. Never once, you know, he always had time for, like, he didn't, you know, he worked three jobs when we first got here. And I remember he used to sleep in the living room. 
and he would sleep very, very little. But it would, he, one of the things that he would do is he would spend time with us, but it would be not the quantity of time, but the quality of time. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I remember about him is he would never complain. Like his humbleness to him is what he always taught me. No matter how much you grow in life, no matter how successful you are, you always have to be humble. Because he's like, you never know. Today you have it all. Tomorrow you may have anything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what people are going to remember is who you were and what, you know, what legacy you left in their lives. Amen. Yeah. For That's real. awesome. That, does that story impact your level of confidence because you saw your dad go through some things at 50 years old, which basically means starting from scratch at an age where most people are hoping that if things go well, you can retire. And you saw him start from scratch, overcome, give you guys opportunities to where you're at right now. How does that affect your confidence today when you're approaching things and challenges? It's, it's, it, it 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 live it really I think that's the legacy that you want to leave. I think that that's what you want to leave to your kids, not you know the wealth or the riches or anything. But you mm-hmm. want to leave to them that no matter how hard life gets, you always are going to have God to to be there for you first and foremost, and you're always going to be able to get through it. You know, with God's help and with the family and friends that God has put in your relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a believer, and and everybody knows that, and. And I, you know, and my dad, one of the things that he always said was, you know, God is good. He's he's going to protect us. He's going to get us through this. And, you know, throughout the challenges that I've had in, in life, um, you know, uh, Ana Maria knows a couple of them. You know, we, I was pregnant with, you know, with my second and we had an, an 18-month-old. And, you know, I, I decided that we were going to sell the townhouse. And I didn't think that, you know, I was, it was going to take so long to find a, a house. So we moved everything into a storage, moved into a bedroom and a bathroom without a kitchen, without anything, with an 18-year-old dog. And it took us months, you know. And I think one of the most frustrating parts is being in the business and taking long to find your own home. Right. Because you're like, okay, this is what I do for a living. Why am I having to go through this? And losing another income, you should like, that was... Right. And then in the middle of that, my husband lost his job. Wow. He's from While getting years. a loan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we were in this room and in, in, in the bathroom. And then my husband calls me up one day and he goes, I just, you know, I just get laid off. And I said, what are you talking about? And I remember crying because, you know, I was about to give birth. And I remember just sitting in the office and, and I'm like, okay, God, what, what do you want? What do you want me to do? You want me to rent? And I prayed over it and I was like, you know what? I guess I'm just going to have to rent. My dad helped me get my first home when I was 18 years old. So mm-hmm. I never rented in my life. And as I'm praying, I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm not, you know, this is not, not that there's anything wrong with renting, but I'm like, no, this is not, we're going to get through this. And I just had faith and, you know, uh, the seller was a Christian. The the mortgage worker was a Christian. Everybody that was just put in, in my path at the time, is it was like amazing Shared how God opens like the doors to your life. So, you know, I got a loan under my name, which I didn't think I did. But then, of course, now we had to demolish the house because the house had mold. So... 
the new house you bought had a mold problem. Had a mold problem. So after you finally jumped that hurdle. But before hurdle, I closed. Oh, okay. <laughs> the owner gave me the keys to the house. And he goes, this is your house. Do whatever you want. So I told my husband, okay, let's start. Let's start ripping up floors. Let's start ripping up everything. And I hadn't closed on the house. So I moved a lot by, by trusting God and by faith. And before we moved into the house, my water broke. I gave birth in the hospital and then I had to go to back to the room because everything was in storage. And it's just a little bit of how you're able to get through anything um, if you have a positive attitude and if you believe that you really are going to become the problem that you're going through. You know, um, for my husband, it was very hard to lose a job that, you know, he had been working for 12 years of his life. Mm-hmm. And also for him, for us to lose that income, you know, and at the end of the day, I mean, we're here today and, you know, I look back, you know, at a year and a half ago and I feel like him losing his job was probably one of the the best things that happened to us. Wow. So it's just, you know, the outcome that you look at life and, you know, and as you share this, I like, and uh, this is a quote that I recently shared and Heard again by um, Blake Leeper, one of the world's fastest runners who actually has no legs. Um, and he's the fastest runner. And so anyhow, um, he, you know, it's not what happened to us. It's how we approach, you know, the things that are happening, right? It's what we do with it. And so, you know, that's a, that's a perfect testimony, right? I mean, life is going to happen to every one of us, especially. And how challenging, right? When, um you're, 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 you know, you're running your company, you're pregnant, you have an 18 month year old, uh, 18 month old. I mean, uh, you're part of boards too. So you're, you know, you're volunteering your time. Um, and then you have a team that you're running and, you know, dealing with all these emotions, right? Because there is, I'm sure there is anxiety, there is fear, there is doubt, but it's about having that awareness in that moment and, and being able to surrender those feelings that are not positive, that are not helping you to stay focused and move forward. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's what I'm getting from, from what you're sharing and, and, um, and basically. And it sounds like faith is also a huge part of where your confidence is coming from. You rely heavily on, on your faith. You know, I think, uh, absolutely. I think that, you know, without God, we could not get through anything. Um, but I also think that, you know, even even as a believer, there's believers that, you know, do have that negative mm-hmm. attitude that they don't have. And, you know, one of the quotes that I like from Tony Robbins is that it says, you know, what instead of everything that happens to you, you believe that everything happened for, for you. you. Yep. You know, and that is huge because, you know, when you're going through that, um, you know, one at a time of church, one of the pastors said to us, you know, what you, let's see, you see in front of you, you see just a fire, right? And then God is in the helicopter and he sees that like right through that fire, like, you know, within a couple of, of, of miles, you're going to be, you know, there's a <laughs> castle. So you're not seeing that, you know, and, you know, we could go on through many stories, which we're not, but, you know, everything that I've dealt with in, 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 in their life and everything that has happened, when I look back, I'm like, okay, there, this was the purpose for that. You know, God had that purpose for that. And, and I, 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 I'm a very strong believer that everything that happens to us has a purpose. We just got to be able to get past that yeah. struggle at the time. Yeah. 
Two things. So as we're talking about this, um, you know, you and I have a, a close relationship and we're sisters in Christ. And so, um, but, you know, you didn't always have positive energy around you, right? You didn't always have people around you supporting you. And so why don't we talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind, and just, you know, share how, you know, not necessarily, you know, how you tapping into the better, right? And looking at the cup half full rather than half empty, how you were able to overcome that and have and continue to do so. So I was um, raised in Ecuador, like I said, and I had two very different uh, sides of the family per se. You know, I had my dad's side and then I had my mom's side. You know, my mom was an, an alcoholic and, you know, she used to beat us as being her kids. Wow. And throughout you know, that portion and being able to see how different, you know, families can be and what really is supposed to be the right path. Because I could have taken the other path and I could have taken the path of poor me, right. you know, I'm I, I'm going through this. And, and I could have totally ignored the blessing that I had with, with my dad's side of the family. And, um, you know, to me, I think that, you know, as you grow older, you, you, realize that the words that your parent, whether it's a mom or a dad, are very, very digged into you deep. So when I was 18, I entered into a big depression. Um, and, you know, not many people know that, but I did try to commit suicide. And wow. it was at that moment in that living room that I looked at, you know, I had a Bible. I don't even know why I had a Bible. I think I, I did go to church at some point, but I had a Bible. <laughs> and I, I looked at that at that Bible and, and I just looked at it and, and God brought me this image of what the pain that my dad would go through if he entered that room and found his daughter dead. Mm. And I think that day is the day that I gave my life to Christ and that day is the day that I decided, no, like depression is not an option. And, you know, you do go through different depressions in life. I did go through a really bad postpartum depression with my first child. Um, I was able to, you know, be, being from the background of having a depression, you're able to know exactly, okay, this is depression. This is, you know, I need to seek help. So depression is real, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people struggle with it. And a lot of people don't want to face it. I think the hardest part is admitting that you're going through depression because then you know you have to get help. Right. Yeah. And you can get the solution. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I listen to what you're sharing with us, by the way, I admire that you're being so real and sharing it with people that are going to benefit as well. I personally have never felt, I guess, what true depression is. And maybe from, you know, my background and growing up in sports, it's very like, stand back up, clean yourself <laughs> off and get back in there type mentality for People, especially in the business world, when we're dealing with um, each other and that there is mental health issues or there is an emotional side of business, I'm very non-emotional when it comes to business and, you know, black and white and get the job done and kind of adopt a lot of that sports mentality into how I approach things. Can you speak about from going through it and being now a business leader and having a team of your own, some things that can help someone like myself who has never felt it, 
doesn't really understand it from a personal experience. I understand it when you talk about it, but how can, like she was saying before, create a supporting energy or or just having empathy towards the situation or having maybe someone who's currently going through something like that. Like, I honestly don't know what I would be, what I would do. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know how I can be other than, you know, hey, if you need anything, let me know. But how much does that help, you know? I think one of the hardest things um, to go through is to put yourself in the person of somebody else's shoes when you never went through that. Correct. Stage, right. So just being honest and being real and saying, hey, you know what? I've never experienced that, but, you know, I am, I do have other people that have experienced that. So maybe you should talk to this person or that person. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I, you were raised with mom and dad and everything, you know, I think it's harder for people that, you know, have like either a divorce in the family or there was abuse in the in in any relationship, whether it's mental, physical, emotional, sexual abuse, you know, different types of mm-hmm. abuses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think for me it was that insecurity of who I was, you know, that dignity um of, hey, you're not good enough. You know, my mom was always very much about weight. So, hey, you're fat. You're not looking good. You're ugly. You're this, you're that. And you, you know, and that stays in the back of your head. Right, the programming. And you feel like you're not worthy and you're not good enough, you know. Um, So for me, like, you know, I have friends, like right now, I have a friend very close to mine that she's going through a custody battle. And, you know, it's very hard for her. And, you know, and she cries about it. And, you know, I sat with her and I had lunch with her and I was real with her. And I said, listen, only somebody that has been in your shoes can understand what you're going through. Mm-hmm. I've never been through a custody battle. I don't know what that is. I could tell you, hey, I would do this and I would do that. But at the end of the day, I don't know what I would do until I am there. That's really when I'm going to know exactly how I'm going to act or how I'm going to behave or what I'm going to do. The same thing if you're going through a divorce. If you've never been through a divorce, how do you know what you're going to do? How do you know if you're going to go to court, if you're going to fight it or if you're going to, or, you know, so different things. So I think that um, to answer your question, as long as you're real to that person, be like, hey, listen, I've never been in that situation, but I do know people that have been. You know, I do know somebody that went through a depression. Maybe I could guide you this. And I think that's why it's so important to have relationships and that's why it's so important to be real and, and know and explain about your struggles. Like my dad was very much like you. My dad, listen, got kicked out of his house when he was eight years old and said, you're pretty much on your own. And he lived from house to house, but he never went through a depression, you know, and he is very much like, hey, get up and keep going. Right. And, you know, even when we were little, we would fall down and he's like, OK, dust your legs off and get up and keep going. And, you know, to choose for me at that time when I was 18 and I went through that depression, it was either I chose stay in that depression or I chose, you know what, I have a role model. I have a hero that has taught me better than this. So let me follow his footsteps in an, instead of going that way. Mm. That's a choice that the person that's going through that mm-hmm. has to make at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, another thing that I, I'm hearing and I want to ask is, so you obviously were programmed, right, with negative beliefs um, and, uh, you know, your mom telling you certain things or whatnot. Um, people don't realize, or at least a lot of, you know, and I hope that our listeners um, 
or aware or, or realize this, but, you know, our childhood, every experience, even from the time we were in the womb, um, what we hear, right? Like all that, it's programmed into a part of our brain, right? And it is because of that foundation and those experiences and those emotions, right, that um, we act the way we do and we um, can become either be weaker or stronger persons. You know, it, it, it's all affected by the emotions, right? Um, so how did you, well, first of all, once you decided to go with your, you know, to follow your dad's footsteps rather than the negative footsteps, um, how were you able to overcome that internal voice talking to you? I don't know that you could always turn it off. Um, I think that one of the things that you have to realize is even the people that hurt you, you have to forgive them for what they did and move on. And that person is never going to change. I think that for many, many years, I tried to have a good relationship with my mom. And, you know, I still have a conversation with her and talk to her. But for many, many years, I kept trying to change her. Like, I kept trying to ask, you know, like, oh, okay, maybe now we could have a mother-daughter relationship. You know, it was not until uh, when I was pregnant with my second that I realized that's not going to happen. And I had to accept that. You cannot change people that are around you. You can accept them for who they are. Mm -hmm. And I do accept her. And I understand why she is the way she is. You know, she was, you know, my grandfather was an alcoholic and, you know, my... She was a result right. of her life experience. She didn't right. have that other side that I was blessed to have. Yeah. You know, she had both her, you know, my grandfather died from alcoholism and my, my grandmother, from my understanding, died, you know, from a heart attack. But she was very tough and she used to beat them too. So, you know, at that point, she didn't have, I guess, a choice to say, okay, here's two examples. This is the route that I want to go. Um, up until this day, image to her is very, very important. You know, I, 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 I get emails recently last week that says, hey, you know what, you're, you're fat. You know, you, you, you need to lose weight. You know, I'm, I'm happy about the accomplishments that you're making, but at the end of the day, that means nothing if you're fat. Wow. You know, so, it, you know, and, and as much as you don't want that to hurt you, and as much as you're like, I've moved on through that, right? Right. I think that to me, being able to believe who I am now and being able to trust that I am who I am because God helped me and is opening up the right doors um, and that I am in my own image. You know, in God's mm -hmm. image, I'm, I'm perfect. Mm -hmm. And to be able to say that to my daughters and be able to transmit that to whether it's, you know, whether you're fat or you're too little or you're too skinny or you're, you know, because you have different types of people. You know, there's people that say, oh, you're too skinny. You should, you, you know, and I have friends that they go through that and they feel, you know, uh, less confident because they're too skinny. So how do you stop that cycle? How do you stop, you know, how do we leave that legacy to our kids where it's like, okay, we're all created in different images and what may be fat for you, maybe it's not fat for you, what may be skinny for you, you know? How do we change that? Mm -hmm. You know, and that to me is the purpose and the legacy that I want to live to my kids. How do you accept people who, for who they are and help anybody for what they need without judging them? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that we tend to judge for anything, whether it's you drive a nice car or you don't drive a nice car, you know? There's always... 
ex- extremes to each side, right? Somebody will judge you because you're driving a nice car. Somebody will drive you because, you know, that car is to them is not that nice. So you have to choose to do things for you and your family. Yeah. And just keep going and forget about the naysayers and the people that tell you that you can't, even if it's your own family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, talking about um, what people think and, um, you know, what we believe and whatnot, um, I want to bring it back because, I mean, for you and I, we're, you know, we, we, we're supported by our faith, right? And so one of the challenges that I know that if it wasn't for, you know, God in my life, um, I wouldn't be the woman that I am today. And I was literally reborn. And one day everybody will hear my story. Um, But, um, you know, my confidence comes from my relationship with God. And... Being a woman or even a a child that was completely insecure, who had no self-love, no identity, who also tried to commit suicide a couple of times just because in my mind was, if this is life, I don't want to live sort of thing. But that also thought she was her own God and very um, close-minded and self-centered. And yes, like this was me, you know, um... And being able to today, you know, accept and love myself, uh, not because of what I have or what I've accomplished, but of because of my identity in Jesus Christ, right? Um, and so how would, and, and this is something, right? Like, obviously, you know, we, I want to fix things from the root, right? So, but I know that as people, start, you know, tapping into their their inner self and, and allow themselves to work, you know, within and to uh, have the courage to confront maybe things that uh, they've sort of just blocked out of their mind, right, and don't want to go back to. Um, you know, I believe that there is also ways to become better, to gain confidence. Um, so, what are some of the what are some tips or what are some advice that we can provide or that you think that would be you know um, to provide to maybe somebody who doesn't share the same faith right um, how can they tap into that confidence and overcome um, and, ch- and, and 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 have the choice and understand that they have a choice so one of the things that um you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I go to church and I listen to the pastors and I had never been to a Tony Robbins um, conference in this past year I did. You know, one of the things that um, he reminds you is for you to get up every morning and think of five things that you're grateful for. And that to me has helped me a lot because when you start your mornings with a grateful attitude, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. To get into that negative attitude, right? It's, you know, as to where before it was like, you know, I I would pray every morning because I always pray over my kids. I always pray every morning and just thank God. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, let's say somebody that doesn't have that faith. How do you take the faith aside and how do you become to have that attitude? Well, get up every morning and think of the five things that you're grateful for in that morning. Change your mindset. And and, in that minute, it's very, very hard for you Mm -hmm. to be like, 
oh, you know, this or the car didn't go or the car didn't start or the car ran out or, you know, I had a flat tire, you know, and and always like, you know, thinking, okay, you know, that person that's driving too fast or that just got me off, there's maybe something that they're going through. Maybe they are in a rush to go see their wife because they're sick or maybe they're on their way to the hospital. So when you start, instead of, Oh, look at that guy. How rude, you know, he got me off. Start judging rather yeah, than judging. Yeah, right off the judge. <laughs> you start saying, you know, what if, you know, what if that person was going? And I remember, you know, um, when I was pregnant, I was, you know, my mind, you know, with my husband losing his job. And I remember driving home and I remember cutting somebody off. And, and, and you know, and I bring back to, to that memory. I said, you know, my mind at that time was so dark. Like I was driving home and I'm like, what are we going to do? We have right. an 18-month-old. We stressed. don't have a house. Okay. We don't have a loan. <laughs> like, you know, we, we just lost this income. You know, what? You know, what are we going to do? And my mind was not in driving, which I don't recommend anybody to put, get yourself to drive <laughs> when you're going through that. But I did cut somebody off and I could have gotten into a really bad accident. And I right. had my 18 month old in the back and, you know, I pulled over and of course I cried because, you know, women, we, you know, something has to give. And <laughs> <laughs> so I pulled over, you know, I pulled over, and I cried and I looked at my daughter and I just cried. And I said, you know what? My goodness, I could have gotten into a really bad car accident. And that is what matters, that we're alive, that we have, you know, that we're here that we have the ability to start over if we have to. That's what matters. It doesn't matter whether you have a house or whether you have a car or whether you have, as long as you have your health and your motivation to keep going, it doesn't matter. Amen. You know? And and that that day is what reminds me every day when I look back and I look at her and she was just sitting in her car, you know, in her yeah. car, she's like this little baby. And and I remember being pregnant and just pulling over because I, you know, the guy did swerve out of the way because I, I, I would have hit him. And what would have happened? Right. You know, and at that point, it was like nothing matters. It's okay. He lost his job. We'll get through it. It's okay. We don't have a phone. We'll get through it. And and that's what we have to look at. Instead of always looking at the cup half empty. empty, we should look at the cup half full, you know, because that's, okay, what What am I grateful for today? Oh, okay, I, I have food on my table. Right. You know what? That's good enough. You know, there's countries in like Venezuela yeah. or Cuba that half of the time they don't know, they don't have anything to eat. Right. You know, just the fact that we're here in the United States of America, that it gives us the advantage to being able to do anything that we want to do. And I do strongly believe that right now, we are so divided that if people would put their differences aside and work together, we would be able to accomplish so much more. Mm, totally. Totally. So let's wrap it up. Well, not wrap it up, but bring it back to like, um, you know, a confident closer, right? right? And you closing. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you know, how has your challenges and then at the same time, you know, the blessings and and your whole journey, like how does that affect positively um when you are leading and teaching or 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 training your your team right to be confident to close right and to get to get the home for the clients and um and same thing with you when you're closing right with with your clients um does this stuff i'm curious does this this story is crazy by the way like i'm glad you shared because i'm wondering when you're in an opportunity and you have to close, because at the end of the day, that's how we make money. Does it ever interfere? Do you ever have moments of insecurities? Does 
the programming that you once went through or have you overcome that completely? I don't think that you can overcome it 100%. I think that depending on where you are in your life, um, there's times that you're going to, that's always going to come back. You know, there's always that, what if I'm not good enough? You know, like you invited me to this podcast and, you know, for a second there when Anna Maria sent me the, the invitation, I was like, what am I going to say? Like, mm. I have nothing to say. You know, that's that, you know, that's my initial reaction. And, I was and like, look how much you've shared. Right. And then, you know, now that we're looking at it, I was like, OK, I do have a lot to share. <laughs> but, you know, and I was like, should I tell her I can't? Like, like you know, you do go through those moments of doubt. Yeah. I don't believe that there's anybody that's 100 percent confident that you could do everything you know what not to cut you off but this morning right and it's the same thing is when we're pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone to do and and move forward into the things that we want to do um like this morning too I mean I woke up and I'm like am I gonna go like what am I gonna do like what you know what am I gonna ask like and you know this this were like our first episodes right and so Yes, we're always, I don't think it ever goes away. It's always like this. I don't. I and mean, we're super clear as to like, <laughs> yes, I'm going to do this. And, and this is what I'm doing and excited. But then there's also that other person inside of us. The just monkey saying, brain. The yeah, monkey brain. just saying like, why are you doing this for? Like, who's going to listen to it? You know, uh, really? And, you know, so, yeah. So I, I mean, <laughs> do you ever go, th- go through that? Um, There is always moments where you question yourself like what did I get myself into um I have my brain works a little bit different where I create competition and everything and it overshadows fear insecurities or anything so instead of me really feeling insecurities I've noticed about myself personally especially in opportunities of possibly closing I look at it so competitively, like almost like a, like you, it's disrespectful. You're like, you're trying me, watch me. And then (laughs) I get so into that competitive nature that like, oh, you don't think I could do a podcast? Watch. Oh, what? You're, you don't, you don't think this is a good idea? Give me a little bit of timing. Don't, Don't believe me, just watch. So I don't Goes think back to sports. Right. Yeah. So I don't think it, you know, I don't think this has to do with stereotype. By no means do I mean to be a stereotype, but I do think believe that men or women are wired differently. Yeah. Right. So I think that, you know, sometimes women are are the hard, the hardest judge, you know, judges on themselves. Oh, yeah. And we are, you know, I mean, we gave birth. You know, we grew a human for nine months and gave birth to it. And, you know, so I think that sometimes we have more doubts than, you know, our, than men, yeah. than men do. I think that, in you know, because I've talked to men about this and they're like, no, I just think that you just get it done or, you know. And it's like, how do I, you know, what, you know, and here's a question for you. What recommendations do you give us to be able to turn that side of? I mean, twofolds. We do still feel insecure or do have questions. You know, sometimes here's an example that you guys might relate to. I just filmed a bunch of video content for our marketing and I was so busy. I didn't have time to get the haircut I wanted. I didn't have time to put nothing. So when now that I see the, the videos being edited and done, I'm like, 
Dude, I just came back from a six-week vacation, so you know the 12 pounds of the vacation were on me. I didn't get the haircut I wanted at the time because I was so busy. So you still nitpick, and you're like, that didn't come out good. But in that moment, it's like 70 videos we we finished. The content is good. The message is good. I'm not happy about the brand. Not even, I didn't go get my suits dry clean. Like You're not happy about how you look. Exactly. I'm not happy about how I was presented in the videos. But instead of going down the road of like getting insecure about it or whatever, it's like, screw it. I got too much time, too many things on my plate right now. Get it out. Good is good enough. And the, to answer your question, perfection is the enemy of all mm-hmm. progress. Yeah. And instead of trying to look perfect and be perfect and uh, and do it perfectly, which I think in my experiences, because most of my team is women and in my, in my dating life, it's, you know, I can pull from those experiences and I tend to see a common kind of mindset where you where women that I've personally dealt with always want things to be perfect Mm -hmm. and they're like they want the dress to be perfect they want the message to be perfect they want the result to be perfect and nothing I've ever done has been perfect so I want to add to that because true yeah no but I as a little girl was a perfectionist and as I grew and evolved and worked in myself and and today I can say that I don't fear to be perfect anymore. That's because I've overcame. I think that perfection is the result of our fears of not, uh, again, whether it's rejection, not being accepted, not being good enough, being made fun of. And so this perfection kicks in because it's a protection. It's a way of like, I, you know, everything just needs to be perfect. And the more confident I am today and uh, the more free that I am from my own thoughts and my own self, because we are our own worst enemy. We treat ourselves worse than we treat anybody else um, mentally, like we mentally abuse ourselves. And so, you know, I've been able, like God sort of like, just like perfection really boils down to a lot of fears and insecurities within us. Um, and so love that you brought that up because, yeah, I mean. Yeah, so I think to, to, to answer clearly, we sometimes look at it and question the same way, but I'm not going to let perfection stop. And yeah. then it's just like, just go. Think, good is good enough. I think that also when you're under a lot of stress, at least I work better when I'm under a lot of stress. Like I don't. Because then you don't have the time to be perfect, right? Agreed. Because you're so busy in doing what you have to do that perfection is just it, get it done. You just got, <laughs> just get it done, yeah. you know. And you know, one of the things that you know my dad always taught me is that you know being fair, right? You know, I tried to be a fair broker. I tried to be a fair, you know, uh, realtor. I you know I tried to be very fair in my life. And and now that you think that that you made me bring that up. Every time that I've been under stress, like, you know, being pregnant and that or, you know, last last year, you know, we were trying to build the pool and the company closed oh out, gosh, yeah. closed their doors down. 
The pool company? Yeah. yeah the pool Halfway company. through your pool? Yeah. yeah after I was only, I, I, I had only <laughs> $9,000 That's for another left. story. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I could, I, you know, I, I could, I have a whole bunch. So <laughs> I, I only had to pay $9,000 and then left. the pool would have been done. It took me another $35,000 to finish the pool. But that's wow. besides the point. The point is, I and, and this is the power of social media. And, and that's why everybody needs to be on social media. I posted on my Facebook, you know, this pool company did this and this and this and that. And, you know, they closed their doors down. Through that one post that I made public, I had families contact me that they had been screwed over by this company and said, what do we do? You're a realtor. You should know what you do. Well, to make a very long story short, we did a meeting in my office. I got Channel 10 to come and, and you know, and, and join it. us and cover it. But I mean, I had over 50 families walking in my office that got screwed over by this pool company. That all had pools. From the ha- same. And I mean, people were driving. holes. But, wow. you know, to, to teach you how something bad can become into something positive, I created a WhatsApp group in, in you know, Parkwood Pools, whatever, fraud or whatever. The relationships that we built of course. In, from that bad, one bad experience has been amazing. You know, I mean, we, you know, we're still dealing with it. I think I still have two more inspections that I got to finish. I have liens on my properties. All these clients have liens on the properties. Some people are more worse than I am. I had there was a lady there that she was doing the pool for a special needs child, and they left her a hole wow. in the backyard. So you know, I think that when you're going through those challenges, if you use that to help others, and say, okay, how do I prevent from this not happening to somebody? What can I do? from somebody else not going through this with a pool company, because that happens all the time. We live in South Florida, from what I hear. Miami is the, the city of like all frauds or, or whatever they <laughs> told me afterwards. And I'm like, really? Yeah, it is. Um, so, you know, how do you prevent somebody from not going through what you had gone through? Because we've all had challenges in life, right? What can you, how can you help others? Right, pass it forward. You know, and I think that's another thing that it's important, you know, when it comes to closing that to make sure that when you are closing at the closing table, you are helping that family. Yeah. You're not putting them in that property only because you were looking at the commission. You're putting into that property because there's, you know, you are helping them. How do you prevent from 2008 of happening, right? In 2007, <laughs> right? What would you tell it to your customers now? Right, you know, eco- most customers now crash. ask you, hey, when is the bubble going to burst again, right? What do you answer to that? And well, I first th- of all, there's no bubble because there isn't enough inventory. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, at, you know, to everything, the numbers have to make sense. Yeah. You know, you got to be able to make sure that, you know, what you're buying is better than you're renting. Because when you're renting, if you're going to be paying more money, then you might as well have something that's yours. The numbers yeah. always have to make sense when it comes to closing. That was good. That was yeah. a good show. Yeah, Absolutely. What would you say to maybe uh, people who are starting in the industry, women who are starting in the industry, uh, who are or starting their own business, starting their own business as well? Um, they're coming, getting out of their comfort zone because they want more. Um, how would you? What advice would you give them to um, confront when they are in those times, right, of fear or negative talk to themselves? Like, what, what would you advise? 
first and foremost, I think perseverance and persistence. Mm-hmm. Um, then I believe that you really need to get a good team. You know, teamwork means everything. And I think that you need to find the right office. Not everybody, every office is for every realtor, just like not every agent is for every client. That's why there's so many of us. But if you find yourself the right support to be able to take you to the next level, and the most important is perseverance and persistence. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been a real estate broker for nine years, and the hardest thing that I see is there's no no consistency. You know, they start very, you know, in my country they say, I, I don't know how to translate this, but in my country they say, you know, you do a horse run, and then all of a sudden you do like a, a donkey stop. Is <coughs> is um, carrera de caballos para de burros? Okay, right. Um, and it's the same thing. Everybody starts like, oh, let me get my business cards. Let Super me get this. Motivated. Let me do this. Let me do videos. Let me go knock on a hundred doors. Let me, you know, and then they stop. And you're like, what happened? Well, I already did that. Well, you did it one weekend or you did it, you know, one month. You got to keep going. If yeah. there's no consistency to what you do, then you don't. Awesome. Yeah. For someone starting their business, just like you started your brokerage, that they're not necessarily plugging into an existing team, what would be the way they can create that support that they could get from a team, being that they're kind of the one-man show right now starting from scratch? So I was an an independent for nine years. Um, I opened my own independent company. I think that you do need to have some sort of a team, and that doesn't necessarily mean another realtors. That could mean like a mortgage company or a title company, or an attorney, or an, or attorney, an accountant, or an accountant. You know, you you know, there's more to to the team part than just you know the broker and the agent. Um, if you don't have a good lender, if you're not gonna have somebody that you have a support that you know it's gonna answer your phones and it's gonna be there, and it's. Even, you know, when I started in the business, you know, I did plug into good lenders that they're like, you know what, let me educate you a little bit. This is not, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm new in the business. And you, I know that a lot of agents don't want to say that they're new in the business to everybody else because they don't want to feel that, you know, rejection. But I think that if you actually do tell people that are maybe not so much the customers or the other agents, but maybe like, you know, the mortgage broker or the title company or the attorney you know what, I just started in the business. What would you recommend? You know, what do you suggest I do? Um, I think that's the most important thing. Sounds like being vulnerable. Yeah. Being vulnerable and Mm -hmm. reaching out. And that's not just in real estate. That's if you're not entrepreneur in in anything. You know, and, 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 and the most important is don't listen to the negative people. You know, I started my real estate company in 2010 when nobody was buying because nobody wanted to buy. And I remember most people are like, even, you know, even my own dad, who's my hero, right? My dad's like, no, don't open your own real estate company. What do you, you know, the market is, and I'm like, dad, I'm going to open my own real estate company. (laughs) Like, we're doing this. And he's like, you know, and then he always supports me. He's like, okay, we're doing this. But even, you know, in that time, people were like, you're insane. You're not going to be successful. You'll close your doors down within the first couple of months. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm doing this. Even if I close down, if I close down, then, you know, at least, at least you tried, I tried. You learned, right. You know, and don't be afraid. That, that's the word. Don't be afraid to try. Worst thing that could happen, well, you know, you close one. it and then you start all over again, you know. But that, that's the most important thing. Yeah. Well, I can say that what I uh, have uh, picked up from this uh, time together really is um, we all, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter our, you know, our background, our journey, our challenges. 
we have a choice, right? And that is the one thing that we have 100% control of, which is the choice that we make. Um, And so I'm so grateful that, you know, you share with us because I know a lot of our listeners, um, you know, feel sometimes that, you know, well, my story is different and, you know, you didn't go through what I'm going through or go through what I went through or what I'm going through. And so you're probably right. We, we haven't experienced exactly what you're experiencing or, or whatever that is. But the matter of the fact is that our emotions are our emotions. And uh, those are, that's something that we all have in common, uh, what we feel. And we all have the opportunity to choose. We either choose to be the victims or we choose to overcome and we choose to actually um, be what? What do we call it? Victorious. Victorious. Yeah, that's a perfect <laughs> word. But yeah. Paulina, how can people reach out to you if they want to talk to you and get to know you more and work with you? So my phone number is 754-581-3452. And they could always look me up on Facebook, Paulina Hurtado. I how do you spell Hurtado? H-U-R-T-A-D-O. Okay. I know Ana Maria is going to tell me I need to get Instagram. She's going to show me one of those days. And the other. Well, you do have global connections. I, I do, but my assistant. You just don't have your personal. <laughs> yeah, yeah personal your assistant one. takes care of it. Um, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have a social I think, media training. you know, uh, like, like, like you said, I think, you know, I, this is the first time that I've shared a lot of the stories and I don't know how many people are going to be listening to us, but in national. Uh, uh, out in the open. Yeah, out yeah. in the open. Um, because, you know, and I think that the fact that I was led to be able to share this story, I hope that it could help people and, and understand. Hey. Believe it that it will. And if they want to hear more stories, they could call me. <laughs> Believe it that it will, I think. And that is the whole purpose of um, this, you know, this show. It's about um, just being able to just be open and through our story, be able to encourage or empower other uh, men and women, you know, um, who are listening. I know it's mostly women because, you know, we understand each other. <laughs> but, you know, uh, yeah, that's the whole purpose. The whole purpose is that and, and you know, to be able to share and open up because we don't know who's going through something similar and they don't know how to deal with it. So we really, really appreciate you being here and being so open and actually being the first time that uh, you've shared um, so much of personal um, stories about yourself. And so it's definitely an honor. Thank you. And I know that um, this story will empower many. Thank, so thank you so you. much for having me. I really appreciate it. Appreciate, appreciate you. Both of you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Confident Closers. We hope you gleaned some insight and find a way to take action and make a positive change in your life today. Not tomorrow, not someday. Now is the time. Learn about Anna Maria's latest projects and get social on Facebook at Confidence Closers, on Instagram at The Confident Closer. Until next time, keep that chin up, walk tall, and support the women in your life to do the same. Because together, we are strong. Thanks for listening.